Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connected podcast. Today I want to chat about a statement I read in a book that I have been reading lately called How to Talk So Your Child Will Listen and How to Listen So Your Child Will Talk. And that is that punishment is a distraction, which when you really think about it, I wholeheartedly agree. And so let's kind of dive into that, um, all the different factors. So the first one being why, why we would use punishment to begin with. And I think a lot of times parents will say, one, they don't know what else to do. Two, it's how you were raised, right? We are conditioned and patterned more by our childhood than we even realize because so much of it is subconscious and we're just responding subconsciously. I also shared a post today actually um, that shared a quote, more is caught than taught, which makes sense. If you are raised in a household full of punishment, you are likely, unless you are really conscious about changing that pattern, doing the same thing. And number three, you're afraid that your child won't know right from wrong if you're not using punishments. But instead of your child feeling sorry for what they did, they often become focused on two things. Being upset with you and how they can get revenge for being upset with you or what they feel like you did to them. Or number two, they're focused on feeling bad about themselves or like they're not good enough. They don't do things well enough. And I think that's especially true for our kids who are more highly sensitive or empathetic. They really take on, you know, I didn't, I didn't do this right. I'm in trouble. I'm not a good kid, that sort of thing. And I wanted to share an example Um, from my son when he was in school. I've shared this in a previous episode, but it just, as I was kind of thinking about this, it came up again. And it wasn't necessarily, like I wouldn't call it a punishment, but he viewed it as one. And I thought it was interesting what he said about it. So I'm thinking, I mean, I only got his side of the story. It wasn't like this huge, big issue. Otherwise, obviously his teacher would have said something but it really bothered him and he started talking to me about it. So this is, you know, strictly from his point of view, but either way, I think it's very interesting to be able to hear this directly from a child's perspective. So he was at school, it's very small and he needs a lot of movement. He is more intense child. He just needs a lot of sensory involvement, which I think is not uncommon for most children. And he's one of the, he was one of the only older boys. And so I think sometimes there can just be this difference between 
although he's really good at sitting and attending to tasks for long periods of time, he also just needs a lot more than maybe some other kids, especially often, you know, girls tend to just be a little bit more calm. Not always, obviously, but anyway, so I, I don't know what exactly, I can't remember what he was doing, maybe like trying to do some cartwheels or something. And he had told me that previous days he could, it wasn't a problem, but on this particular day, he had to go sit in front of the fish tank, which I'm assuming was to help him kind of calm his body, you know, watch the fish swimming, a really good visual calming activity. But I think he saw that as a punishment, you know, instead of like, let's kind of calm our body down. He saw it as he was being punished. And the thing that he told me was, cause I was trying to explain, you know, validate that he was really upset by it and all that sort of stuff. But then also explain, I'm guessing why your teacher did that is so that it could help you kind of calm down. And he would, he said, why would that make me calm down? It just got me more riled up. And so I think this paints a really good picture of how our kids are actually feeling when we use punishment and even consequences when we're not really thinking about the deeper issue it's actually causing them to sit there and focus on you or a sibling that they just had a fight with that they're getting in trouble about whatever the situation they're not thinking oh maybe next time i should do this instead right they're sitting there thinking and stewing on anger and those type of feelings. Punishment deprives the child of the important process of facing his or her own misbehavior because like I said, they're too preoccupied with being upset with you or wanting to get revenge. Like maybe there was just a sibling conflict and maybe that child didn't feel like they were heard. And so now all they're thinking about is they're mad at you they're mad at their sibling and how I'm going to get back at my sibling, but not get caught this time, that sort of thing. Or I'm not as good, you know, as my sibling, whatever. And so I want to talk through a few things to do instead. If you feel like you're kind of stuck in a cycle of punishment, whether it's because you don't know what else to do, it's how you're patterned, you want your child to know right from wrong, which I think we all do. Here are a few things that you can do. So I'm going to go through all of them and then I'm going to give one specific example and go through all of them again. It's fairly simple, but I think common amongst particularly younger kids. And it just, just to show you how you can go through each of these different options with this one example. So what to do instead there's six different things you can do. So maybe I should have mentioned grab a notebook and paper if, or a notebook and paper, a notebook and pen if you are not driving or something like that. But the first one is describe what your child should do rather than what they shouldn't do. I think it's really easy and really natural for us to say, don't do X, Y, Z, but instead flipping it because oftentimes our child isn't either attending to or hearing the don't and they're really focused on the thing that you're saying so instead of saying what they shouldn't do tell them what to do instead number two 
point out how the actions are impacting their surroundings, their environment, where they are. Number three, state what your child can't do, but then give options of other appropriate choices. Number four, remove the child lovingly or the object or whatever it is that's causing the issue. And this is where we hold firm boundaries with understanding and empathy and love. Number five, be clear about your expectations. I think a lot of times a challenge that I see often is that parents are inconsistent between what's okay one day and what's okay or not okay the next. So the example that I gave of my son at school, he was also saying that like the other day it was okay, but today it's not. And I think we need to be clear about what we're expecting. And I know there's lots of factors there, right? Like we can be more triggered one day than the next or more impatient or tired or whatever. Maybe there's more going on. We're multitasking and it's bothering us more than it did the other day. But just really being clear about what we are expecting so our child knows what to do and um, kind of how how to follow those expectations versus just assuming things that maybe are incorrect. And number six, teach or show your child how to make the situation right. So let's take, for example, throwing a ball. Really basic. Um, I mean, you could also say throwing a toy because lots of kids (laughs) get upset and throw a toy, unfortunately. Um, So the first one, describe what to do rather than don't. So instead of saying, don't throw that toy or don't throw that ball, you can say, throw the ball in the laundry basket. See if you can make it. Or throw it in this direction instead of that way so that we don't knock something down. That sort of thing. Give them a specific what to do versus a don't do this sort of a thing. Point out how the actions are impacting the environment. So if we take the throwing a ball or... I guess, I mean, you're not going to probably promote your child throwing a toy, but if they have a ball, we want to talk about what they could break. Or maybe others are worried that they are going to get hit by the ball. State what he or she can't do, but give options of two other appropriate choices. So if you don't want your child playing with the ball in the house, I mean, first of all, hopefully you wouldn't keep the ball in the house, but let's say your child brought it in from outside. You can't throw the ball in the house, but you can throw it outside or we can roll it back and forth on the ground so we don't break anything. So it's giving your child options like a clear boundary. We aren't throwing the ball in the house, but giving them other options of what they can do with it. Again, what can we do rather than what can't you do? Remove lovingly. So this might mean if your child continues to throw the ball in a place you are have clearly asked them not to or if they are just getting out of control with the ball and there's other people around they're hitting other people whatever it might be depending on the situation you might just remove the ball or remove the child from the situation again setting that firm loving limit so that they understand what you said is what you mean but you can also remain calm and firm 
and understanding that it's challenging, right? Like this is a ball. They want to throw it. They want to play with it, how they want to play with it. And it's not bad for our kids to want to exert control, to want to do what they want to do with something, right? Like if you think about yourself, how often do you want to do something just because you want to do it? It's just our kids don't often have the authority in the situation to actually be able to follow through with that. And so coming from this place of understanding that developmentally, they just, they want to have control and removing them from the situation to say, you know what, I acknowledge you really want to throw the ball. You're really enjoying it and having lots of fun. It's becoming unsafe. So we're going to just step into your room and when you can roll the ball or go outside and play with it, you know, then we can move on or whatever. Um, being clear about expectations. So if the child does bring the ball in from outside or for whatever reason there's a ball in the house and you don't want the child to be throwing the ball around or like I was saying earlier, maybe one of the days you're okay with them throwing the ball around and now let's say you have guests over and you don't want them throwing it around or you have, I don't know, you're cleaning your cupboards and you have like all the dishes out and something or whatever and you're organizing them or something whatever the case may be give them clear expectations as to what they are able to do with that ball so I know the other day you could throw the ball around in here but today I have all these dishes out they are breakable if you hit them and knock them off the counter they're gonna break so today we actually cannot throw the ball in this room And then going back to, if you want to throw the ball, you're welcome to go outside or in the garage or whatever, in the basement, or we can roll the ball back and forth and just, again, really defining how to use the object, the ball, safely, appropriately, and what you're expecting of your child so that they can actually make the choice to follow that or when they don't, they can later understand you have this boundary, you articulated it to them, and when they didn't follow through, that's where you know you were a little bit more firm, maybe removed them from the situation, and then they can understand you are there to keep them safe, to keep others safe, to follow your direction, and it's just building that trust and safety there. And then lastly, teach or show your child how to make the situation right. So say they throw the ball and there was a glass of milk on the table, hit the glass of milk, spilled it everywhere. So now we say, oopsie, the ball, look at what happened. The ball knocked the milk all over the place. We better go get a towel and clean it up. And holding them accountable to actually do the thing. I think so many times the feedback I get from parents like of different situations all comes down to our willingness to actually hold a firm limit, but do it lovingly and calm and recognize that it's okay if our kids are 
not interested in the limit we're holding. You know, like most kids aren't going to be like, okay, mom, I'll go get a towel and clean it up. You know, they're going to be upset that they knocked it over, that they weren't supposed to be doing that, that they have to clean it up. I mean, every now and then you might get a kid who's like, okay, whatever, we'll clean it up. But a lot of times your child is likely going to be upset about it. And so instead of, you know, giving them a punishment, shoving them off somewhere, getting really upset, just recognizing they made a mistake. Now they need to correct that mistake. And how can they actually do that? And that might mean, you know, a lot of times, especially with my toddler, that meant that he would sit on my lap. I helped him sit on my lap until he was ready to do what I was asking him. We weren't going off and playing. We weren't being distracted by other things. We were going to sit here and wait until he was ready to do the task that I asked of him. And now almost immediately, if I begin that process, he's ready to jump in and do it because he knows I mean what I say and that we're going to do it. The other part of that is helping your child, you know, like, again, reminding ourselves that it was a mistake. It was an accident. Even if they were going against what you said and throwing the ball, they still weren't, well, hopefully not like purposely aiming for that glass of milk and giving them some grace and helping them, whether that's giving them the steps of what to do and breaking it down so it doesn't feel so overwhelming or gathering supplies to help them or, actually demonstrating and showing them how to do the task and what you're expecting them to do and kind of talking them through it so that they can actually be successful in doing it. So I hope that was helpful. I think it's really important for us to just be constantly evaluating how we are responding to our kids' behavior and if it's the way that we want to be responding and adjusting. Like you might... (laughs) go in seasons, in waves. I mean, even now recently for me, I feel like we're in kind of this um, little bit more difficult week. Like there was lots of things going on, transitions, changes, like all the things. And I can just feel everybody is just a little bit more on edge and just really thinking about myself. Like what can I control and what can I do to help my kids here? Because they are looking to us. And as much as we want to focus on our kids' behavior. We really need to be focusing on our responses, our triggers, how we're reacting and responding. And is this how we actually want to proceed and respond? Because we set the tone, right? As a mom, you're going to set the tone. If you are um, having a tougher day and you're triggered more often, you're less patient, you're less kind, everybody else is going to follow that. If you are more grace-filled, if you're for some, you know, whatever you've been working on it, or you've just been praying about or whatever it is, and you are more patient, having more kindness or more empathy, your kids are going to follow that as well. You know, not perfectly to a T, but really reminding yourself that, you know, everybody's kind of following along you and that's not to put pressure on you, but to really recognize if things feel awry and chaotic, check in with yourself. Are you feeling that way about how you're responding? And if you are, just get back to the basics. And if you have no idea what the basics are, or you're like, I can't, I don't know how to reel myself in. 
I have not learned how to manage my triggers. I haven't learned how to process my patterning and my conditioning, but I want to. I recognize that I am being triggered by this or I recognize this is a pattern I'm in and I don't want to continue it. Then please go to the link in the show notes, fill out the form that I have there. Um, and I will be in contact with you. Um, I'll also put, so actually I'll put the link to my 30 day behavior transformation. Um, it's called the 30 day behavior blueprint. And so this is for either your child's behaviors, managing your own triggers, both, whatever it is, we will work through it together. Um, hand in hand, step by step, in the moment, guidance, instant messaging. So I'll put the link to the video. It just is a brief video. It talks about what this program entails and what you can expect from it. And if you watch that video and you decide, I really want to take charge of this, it's a great time before the busyness of school starts and you get into even more busyness and more chaos and more scheduling challenges, then uh, there's a link in the description of that video for a form. And you can either fill out that form or you can message me directly, whatever feels easier to you. It just gives me some more information about what you're specifically struggling with. So when I connect with you, I kind of have a little bit of a basic understanding. And then we chat. We can figure out, is this 30-day program what's best for you? Do we need to adjust something and um, kind of go from there? And I think always there's no better time than now to get started. And I can guarantee you that you will see transformation if you take the leap, you join forces with me, and we work together to figure this out. So again, all of those links will be in the show notes. Or you can just message me uh, via email or Instagram, and I would love to chat with you more. If you have questions, um, I would just love to connect with you. So until next time. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories, and tag me, at Kaylee Josire, and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.